Where's the map? What do you mean, where's the map? I don't have it. What do you mean, you don't have it? I handed it to you. Are you sure you gave it to me? I have been in front of you for the past hour, man. We've got to find the car. We've been walking through the woods for hours. It was on the other side of the Billwood Cemetery. Uh, you thought when we left the grave sites of the Adams and turned around and started heading straight back, we would have been there by now. This is crazy, Joey. The moon is in the same place. It's like straight overhead. It wasn't in the... It was in the horizon. So, that was the east, or was that on the right side or the left side? Which side should it have been on headed back, Joey? This doesn't make sense. I thought we were just coming to Adams to get some mosses. And just gonna take some photos, and it got dark fast. Well, Joey, with the COVID and everything going on, we just had to see the Adams Cemetery, and that's it. We just had to. Come for you, John. I will kill you. I, I can't. What was that, Joey? Alan. <laughs> what? Uh, run, Joey, run. run. Oh, God. What was <laughs> Joey. Joey. Where are you? Joey. Joey. Joey, where are you at? Joey! I don't know. I don't know where Alan is. Can you take me back when we were just kids? We've been scared of getting older, yeah. Cause no one knows you like they Can't make old friends. Yeah. Can you take me back when we were just kids who weren't scared of getting older? Yeah. Now I've got some good friends now. Welcome to the show that has little to no meaning and makes little to no sense. It is the show where you can expect the unexpected. This is nonsensical talk on the air and in the cloud. Those crazy hosts will talk about anything and everything. And now, from their home studios in Middle Tennessee, here is your hosts, Alan Robertson and Joey Smith. All right, welcome to show number... Four, Joey. Two more left right. in the first season, man. It, it's almost like it's half over with. <laughs> I'm excited about this one, Alan. Man, this one is, look, right here is the reason to be excited, okay? This is the authenticated history of the Bell Witch, and you and I have actually had some visits to Adams, and it's awesome. So let's first just tell you a little bit about the story of uh, the Bell Witch, and so that way everybody kind of knows. I know people have seen different parts of movies, but hey, so 
how it all started was in 1804, uh, John Bell, his wife Lucy, and, you know, there was about 10 people in their uh, church that all picked up and moved from North Carolina, and they came to Red River, Tennessee, uh, you know, and uh, he was a very successful farmer. He was very well-liked. Uh, he was respected. And so, you know, there was a lot that was going on uh, to make him that way. But, you know, his character came into question whenever a scandal arose uh, after being here for a little while. Of course, uh, the Batts family, Kate Batts and her husband, Frederick, they also moved with the church from North Carolina to uh, the Red River bottom of, of uh, Tennessee. And uh, Frederick had a farm accident and uh after a while the family became so desperate he had to start selling off parts of his farm just to get by and some of that land was purchased by john bale and you know that they say the tra transaction just that started a never-ending conflict between those two families uh frederick's wife kate she accused John of exploiting and uh, taking an unfortunate situation and just taking taking uh, a lot of liberties and, uh, you know, basically purchasing the land for way less than it was worth. You know, so Kate, she swore that the bills would pay for this uh, misdeeding. I mean, this misdeed. So later, uh, Benjamin, which was Frederick's brother, uh, he filed a lawsuit against John for extortion and and. John knew nothing about this. So when it went to trial uh, and John failed to show up, it went in, you know, the bat's favor. Uh, and then it got back to the church. Of course, even though that uh, John protested the ruling, it would still lead to his excommunication of the church, uh, uh, which back then they probably didn't call it that. They probably just said, uh, church members don't want you here anymore, but with, you know, with Frederick uh, being immobile, Kate took over the lead of head of the household, and she was harsh, loud, spiteful, intimidating, and uh, others didn't want to be around her. Well, in 1817, you know, after long after he's been excommunicated from the church, this is John was working in his cornfield, and he saw this creature that had the body of a large dog and a and the head of a rabbit. Uh, you know, so he took a shot at the at this uh animal, if you will. Uh and, you know, he used an old musket, uh, and it smoke flew out of the end, but when the smoke cleared, that animal was gone. Uh later that night, he started hearing stuff outside the house. Uh little raps of uh sounded like rocks. So him and his kids would go out and there would be nothing there. Uh, so, you know, Bell, you kept hearing this. So, so he thought it was, uh, old Kate Batts family, you know, trying to mess with them. And that's what, and that's what he believed. Now, of course, his suspicions of the Batts family would change when he started hearing the sounds in the house. And, you know, he did, he knew then it wasn't, uh, uh Kate Batts or, or any of her family. Uh, this sound was constant and uh, began to affect the family's sleep. Uh, they didn't tell anyone what was going on. They tried to ignore it, uh, but the activity started to escalate. It even seemed to target Betsy Bell by uh, John's daughter, 
by pulling her hair and slapping her face, leaving red marks. Uh, John still told his family to keep quiet. And, uh, uh, but until a few weeks later, Betsy saw this apparition of a girl hanging in a tree and then it vanished without a trace. Well, let me tell you, the, the, the escalating just, it, it got worse and then uh, the family couldn't handle this anymore. So John, you know, reached out to his great friend and neighbor, James Johnson. Uh, and so James agreed to help John, you know, he was a little apprehensive, but he, he actually helped him out. So James and his wife came over to the bells that night and they prayed for that evil spirit presence to leave that house. Uh, they demanded to know the name of the, the entity. And that's when they heard a, a voice say Kate. And so that really, you know, got, you know, them going. And so now they had a name to put with it. Well, James, you know, he couldn't get rid of that evil spirit. So that's when he told John, he said, man, we need to bring somebody from outside in, uh, in. And, you know, John agreed. You know, with the haunting spreading quickly, many came to the house. Uh, I don't know if they came there to help, but they at least came to witness these poltergeist activities that they've been hearing about. Some would probably didn't believe in it, uh, but all that came to the house would eventually know that feeling of evil and, uh, and how that evil was towards John Bell. Uh, news each even reached General Andrew Jackson, who wasn't president at the time. This was, this was, uh, a decade before that. Uh, uh, he took a small group of, uh, troops from Nashville, uh, and, uh, uh, just for a few days visit, one of his troops was said to have been bragging to his fellow soldiers, uh, that he planned to kill the Bell Witch. But when they neared what would become Adams, um, the wheels on the wagon seized up and would not budge despite all the efforts. They couldn't move the wheels at all. Jackson was said to have been heard apologizing for the soldier's behavior, uh, at which time he heard a disembodied laugh, and then the wagon began to move again. After spending one night... Jackson's troops was ready to leave. Jackson was even heard to say, I'd rather fight the whole British army than to fight the Bell Witch. Well, let me tell you, that started at the start of 1820. Uh, Lucy Bell, she suffered a, a, a severe bout of pleurisy, uh, come near death. And they said that old Kate kind of nursed her back to health. Uh, so as her health got better, John Bell's got worse. Uh, so, you know, he got to the point to where he, he, he just kept going increasingly sick. And then on December the 20th, you know, they found him dead in the bed. Uh, not to be a rhymer, but that's, they found him dead. And there was a vial of, uh, of dark liquid beside the uh, bed on the nightstand there. And they suspected it to be poison. Uh, and old Kate, she stuck her up and says, I fixed his medicine last night and gave him a big dose. He'll never get out of that bed again. Now, this was the first time in U.S. history that a documented death was blamed on a supernatural entity. Uh, so during the burial service, she just kept further tormenting the friends and family by mocking, laughing, uh, singing songs, uh, and it just it went on and on. But after the funeral, the activity started diminishing. 
they would eventually come back in 1821. Betsy was proposed to by Joshua Garner. Uh, Betsy again saw the apparition of a little girl who warned her not to marry Joshua. Then it vanished. Not taking any chances uh, of the return of old Kate. Uh, Betsy called the engagement <laughs> off and Joshua moved away. Uh, but, you know, just know this, that this story has been told over and over verbally from person to person. So, you know, we don't know how many times uh, it was embellished uh, uh, as it was told throughout the uh, more, almost two over two centuries. Uh, but uh, some even say that it was it was uh, invented to cover up the murder of John Bell. And, and some of the things that, that has never been, you know, unless you just read and read and read and find out, Kate Bax was actually, Kate Bates, or Bats, she was actually kin to the Bell family. She was Lucy Bell's niece. We've got a treat for you guys. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Let's go to Adams, Tennessee. Uh, so, Joey and I are here today in Adams, Tennessee, uh, where nearly 204 years ago, the torment started with the Bell family. Uh, so, we're out here today, and it started out with just some noises, and then it went and progressed to violence, and eventually death. Our story begins where John Bell moved his large family from North Carolina to the Red River bottom of Robertson County. And we wanted to go to the Bell Witch Cave. We wanted to go into the area, but due to COVID restrictions, they are not taking any calls. So therefore, we, we're just gonna basically go around uh, and uh, see what we've got here in Adams. We're gonna go up and down the Red River, look at some historical markers, and even see if we can talk to some folks about the Bell Witch. Welcome to Adams. Still here in Adams, Tennessee. We are located in front of one of the original uh, buildings that was moved from uh, John Bell's property, believed to have been built between 1810 and 1820 before his death. 
Uh, they moved it here in 96. So this was actually one of the structures, Joy, that was actually out on the Bell property, uh, about a mile and a half down the street here. It says that this uh, building was, this cabin was constructed uh, uh, the last decade of John Bell Sr.'s life. And so we're right here. It's, if you want to come and visit this, uh, the Adams Schoolhouse, and this building's right behind that. And also uh, on the same grounds here, Joey, they do uh, plays on the weekends in the month of October. Now this month is probably just a little bit different than same, similar to last year where they had COVID issues, but they actually have uh, plays on the ground right behind us or right behind you there and they actually tell some of the stories and i think uh, a couple of years back they had 1600 people here for those plays and some of them were international were not even in the state uh, or in the united states they came in from australia uh which uh i saw something on that earlier and i thought that was that's it's far reaching as being one of the most uh recognized uh hauntings in the united states and almost i think in the top three around the world and I'll tell you, you know, if you're in Adams in the fall, uh, in October, November, uh, uh, you're just down the road from Port Royal where uh, uh, we were just at, and you'll either uh, see it soon. But there's one thing that they have in October and November. It's uh, uh, Port Royal by, by Lamplight. And uh, they take tours through the, uh, through the, uh, the woods there at Port Royal and uh, you'll come across this campfire and um, a trained historian actor will turn around and say welcome everyone um, uh, my name is such and such and uh, we've been having some stirrings around here and and reenact uh, some of the storytelling of what's going on uh, around the, the time of the Bell family's experience with the spirits. And so that's called Port Royal by Lamplight. And so you can certainly Google that. And so there's a lot of events here. This is a great community, a lot of stuff going on in Middle Tennessee. Uh, right now we're inside of the last known house that was built on the Bell property. Uh, so this is called the Bell uh, Log House and it's located right behind the uh, right behind the, uh, uh, the Adams Schoolhouse. School yeah. Uh, so ask to come in because let me tell you, these, these folks down here are some nice people and they accommodate for anything you need. If you want to come in and see the inside of an actual old log cabin built pre-Civil War, uh, believed to have been built in 1810 to 1820, Joy. That's right. And, and of course, uh, we've already had a chance to look inside the museum and uh, this is just another glimpse of the Bell family. Of course, uh, this is a, uh, a, you know, 20 by 20 cabin, this yeah. main area here. Unfortunately, you see some, some stairs going, going up right there, that door that would take you up to where, where you could sleep. But uh, this was upper middle class in the, eight, in the early 1800s. And it's hard to think that, uh, but uh, folks were, were happy to have a structure like this and, and have a farm. And yeah. This was luxury uh, to actually have something like this. Luxury. Uh, we look at it today and go, oh my. 
But hey. They didn't have a Lowe's then. <laughs> there so, was no home improvements. <laughs> so you weren't going down to buy paneling and, and uh, crown molding. Uh, things had to be milled by a carpenter. Yes. So this house was actually moved from the Bell Farm uh, back in, uh, I guess, the late uh, or mid-1980s. Uh, uh, they actually relocated it to here. Uh, so everybody could come see. So if right now being the COVID, you're not going to be able to get into the Bell Witch Farm. You're not going to be able to go down into the cave and see that area there. But this is the next best thing, people, right here. Uh, you get to actually see a piece of the Bell property erected here in Adams, Tennessee. Because of COVID, we couldn't meet the Bell Witch, the spirit. That's, that's, uh, so that's unfortunate. Really Actually, wanted to. It's really fortunate. Uh, we didn't want to make the spirit and, okay. and disturb anything. But um, uh, you hear all the train noise and the train going by. Adams was Adams Station, uh, train station, prior to being just dropping Adams Station to just being Adams, Tennessee. So we're going to keep looking and digging and uh, uh, taking you on this tour with us. All right. All right. So. Here we are, we are in the Adams Museum in Adams, Tennessee. Uh, this is a great place to find history on the Bell Witch. Uh, right here in center, center stage, if you will, uh, is all of the different books that were written by the Bell Witch, or Bell, uh, on the Bell Witch. Uh, it even has a flyer of the movie, which we're going to be interviewing JD on this, and so the flyer from that is in this cabinet as well. So great setup and um, all, everything that you could want to find out about the Bell Witch is going to be right here in the middle. Uh, and Adams, Tennessee is rich with the Bell Witch. Some other things that jumped out at me here in the, uh, the Adams Museum. Uh, we were eating down the hall at, at, uh, at Moss's, uh, which is in the Adams School Building, and the museum's just down the hall, and the, the door was closed, and uh, we asked um, what time the museum opens and uh, <laughs> City Hall's right across the hallway and they said we'll just open it up for you and let you look in the, in the museum. It's usually open uh, every day from 10 to 4 on Monday four through Friday. Every, 10 so. to 4 every weekday. Uh, but uh, while we were in here um, uh, looking at the at the history on, on the Bell Witch, something jumped out at me and this is something that Alan and I have talked about for a later podcast. If you look over in this corner, uh, it says the Night Riders, and there's a book written by Robert Penn Warren. Robert Penn Warren, born in Guthrie, Kentucky, and he was the very first poet laureate under Ronald Reagan. Um, one of his proudest writings and, and work of art uh, was uh, uh, the book on the Night Riders, and the and where he had to do all that research. Um, and of course, we're going to be covering some of the night riders where uh, farmers uh, during the time where big tobacco conglomerates were uh, putting pressure on local farmers to, uh, to sell their tobacco at a certain price to them. And those ones that didn't come up with the agreement, um, they would try to push them out by undercutting them and only uh, buying their, uh, their tobacco uh, pennies on a dollar. Um, and so those farmers all got together in, in uh, southern Kentucky and northern middle Tennessee 
and um, they rebelled. And so we'll be covering some of this stuff on the Night Riders and Robert Penn Warren. But, uh, but today, it's October. This is the time for pumpkins. It's a time for the season of the witch. We're here to show Kate and uh, John Bell and the Bell family in the city of Adams all the respect. And, and, and we're bringing you along with us, so thank you. So remember, Adams, Tennessee, that was, we had a fun day out there, uh, good food, uh, great people. Jeez, I mean, again, the people there, the one lady that was over the, uh, I guess she was in the city hall, she opened all the doors for us. She let us in and just said, hey, go on. It does, it's okay. Let's take a look at the Bell Witch, the movie. I know that was hard for you to watch in there, son. One day you'll understand why I acted the way I did. Does this mean we can't go to church no more? <coughs> Those men in there, they're wrong. And they ain't got no right to judge me. Only the good Lord above can judge us. Don't ever put your faith in men. And remember, a church is just a building made of wood and stone. The good Lord don't necessarily dwell in it. You understand me? That was that person playing John Bell in that clip was J.D. Hart, lives in Nashville, Tennessee. We, Alan and I got to have a conversation with him. Let's go talk to him right now. Uh, today, we are thrilled that uh, you know that I live in Adams. Alan lives in Middle Tennessee. Well, we're real close to the Bell Witch and, and Adams. And uh, uh, the star of, of one of the best films and best soundtracks, J.D. Hart, played John Bell. And so, J.D., welcome. Thank you, guys. It's, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I, I love your podcast. Uh, your presentation, your content, and uh, uh, congratulations. I, I know you're going to do well. going to be a big, big success. Well, uh, thank I, you, I love what we're talking about today, okay? And, and, uh, and thank you for having me uh, to talk about this, this, um, uh, this legend, this, this subject of the Bell Witch. Um, you know, uh, John Bell and I actually have one thing in common, okay? We both grew up in North Carolina and moved to Tennessee, Okay. Um, I, I grew up way out in the country in North Carolina. Uh, I had a chicken farm on my left and a, a pig farm on my right. Um, and I made the move to Nashville in 1985 to uh, work on being a country artist, which is why most people moved to Nashville. And I, I was an MCA recording artist for a while. Uh, but I found something I loved better, and that was acting. And... Um, but anyway, it was very, very serendipitous um, about how I came to play John Bell in Bell Witch the movie. Now, now I'd never heard of Bell Witch until I moved to Nashville, and I'm I'm sitting at Tavern on the Row, on Music Row, back in the late '80s. Okay, and there's all this strange noise that starts happening upstairs. It's unexplainable, and the people I were with said, oh, that's got to be the Bell Witch. That's got to be the Bell Witch. And I said, what, what's the Bell Witch? What are you talking about? Well, you know, folklores over years and years and years, they get uh, sort of uh, revamped and retold. And what these people told me is they said, well, don't ever get in front of a mirror and say Bell Witch three times or she will appear. 
And I, and I thought, wait a minute, isn't that Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary? I won't say it a third time. But, <laughs> but so I just thought, mm, okay, okay, that's interesting. The way they just told me, they said, well, this is one of the the oldest ghost stories ever told. That was uh, that's true. Okay, and 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 I just sort of passed it off at the time, but you know, never thinking that I'm going to be playing this guy in the in the movie. So anyway, to get to get to the movie, and excuse me if I just ramp, ramble on too long, but it was very cool because my wife and I were on vacation in Gatlinburg, and uh, my agent called me, and she said, "JD, there's um, uh, they're auditioning for a feature film in Sevierville." And I said, really, Sevierville? I, I didn't know there was any, you know, movie production companies in Sevierville. I said, uh, wh what is it exactly? She says, I, I don't know. They won't tell me. They're going to use the working title called Tennessee One. And I don't know what it's about. I said, can you get me a script before I audition or at least some sides? Okay. She said, they won't do it. They, they just want you to come in and audition. I can tell you they've looked at a number of guys uh, for this role, they've cast everybody but uh, but the main character, and uh, I said, "Well, yeah, absolutely. I want to. I want to go to this audition." So, um, <laughs> again, you know, usually an actor gets sides in advance, and and it's not a, necessarily a cold read, but this was a cold read. So, so I go to Sevierville and uh, the Cinemar Productions, and. Um, walk in and, and, and they give me some sides and they said, this will be a cold read and we want you to read with um, the lady that's going to be playing the wife in the, in the feature film. And uh, I said, okay. So I started looking at the sides and I saw the name John Bell on it. <laughs> well, well, guys, I, my first thought was John Bell, the politician from Nashville that was the speaker <laughs> of the house in 1860. I'm thinking, yep. this, okay, this is movies about politics. It's sure. about a politician. Uh, but then I started reading the sides, and the storyline just didn't fit with that. And I started thinking, wait, wait a minute, there's another John Bell. Could this possibly be a story about the Bell Witch? Then I started getting a little excited, you know, because uh, <laughs> this really appealed to me because uh, I love I love horror movies, and that's mostly what I've done as an actor. Um, so anyway, so I did the audition and the, um, the lady that I was auditioning with, uh, Donna, uh, was wonderful and she looked so much like uh, Sissy Spacek and I thought, yeah. you know, I've always been a fan of Sissy Spacek and I thought she should be a great, great cast for this. Really had no idea how I did, but after the audition, the director, Shane Marr, who's an excellent director and, um, an excellent person and a great friend of mine, he said, come on in, come into the studio a minute. And um, he said, I want to show you something. So he's got this huge screen, you know, this huge movie theater. And he said, I want, I want to, I've already made the trailer for this. So oh, man. I want to see it. Okay. Well, he played it. And uh, Sean, I mean, Shane, excuse me, he, 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 he likes to joke and play and play little tricks on you. Well, I thought, my God, this is the cheesiest, <laughs> awful, amateurish trailer I've ever seen. This cannot be. And I'm like, yeah, it's really interesting, you know. And he said, I'm just playing with you. He said, now I'll play you the real trailer, okay? Well, man, okay, so the trailer starts out with uh, with Jimbo Whaley, you know, just a, just a sample here. You can go into the hills. Yes. 
where an old church used to stand. Had, had when that right. comes on, it's almost like you're hearing uh, someone's about to tell a story here. That's right. That's right. You could, and I love the way he did the trailer because he he didn't, you know, he had no acting in it yet. It was just a, a series of shots through the very rapid shots through the woods, brilliant graphics, and then that that song "Foundation" by Jimbo Whaley, which that's all you need, okay? And then, and then at the end in the trailer, you hear the witch saying, um, "I'm coming for you, John Bell. I will kill you." Yes, and Betsy then, Palmer boom, played right, a great spot. Yeah, wasn't she? Wasn't she? It was yes. so wonderful to get to meet her because I'd been such a fan for so many years, even before Friday the Thirteenth. You know, where she was the 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 real killer in the uh, yeah in the original. But I, it just so so. Then he played me the real trailer, and I thought, oh God, thank you, thank you. Okay, this they know what they're doing. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so he really really played a trick on me. Now I still didn't know I had the part, so. I just I thanked him for the opportunity, and he said um, we'll be in touch. They always say that, and I go, yeah, yeah, right. But so my wife and I, we we go we go on, and we we're having dinner that night at one of the restaurants in Gatlinburg, and I get the call, and it was it was Shane, and he said, uh, you're perfect for this part. We want you, okay. But here's the thing, yeah, it was, it was we really it was a great time of celebration, and because uh, I really really wanted to do this, especially with. Uh, with the Marr family, I met his his mom and his dad while I was there, and and uh, I, I'm not really I'm not your Hollywood type of actor, okay? I I'm I'm a I'm a whole different breed of cat. So this is my kind of people, my kind of family, and um, um, so you know they said we want you for the part. The 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 biggest problem was they were going to like start shooting in a week. Because they had they had everything in place, but John Bell, the lead, and and uh, they only they only had the cinematographer or the the DP for for 15 days, and then he had to move on to Florida to do another shoot. So I didn't really have the time that I wanted to prepare, uh, as far as the look, the hair, the beard, and all that, and was hoping we'd have some some prosthetics because, after all, John Bell was 70 uh, when he died. You know, uh, born in 1750, uh, born, uh, died in 1820 at, at 70 years of age. Um, so, I, you know, I really typically when you do a movie, you like to have at least a couple of months to do research and study. And I, I wanted to go up to Adams and, and visit the museum in the cave, but there, there just wasn't time. So I did all the research I could online and, and, and did the best I could. But um it, it was uh, it was a wonderful wonderful experience, and we get into the, the shooting, the actual shooting, and I found it, found that find out that we're shooting in Townsend, Tennessee, which is a beautiful location. I mean, and this is in, we're shooting in October, so the colors are just fabulous. Okay, and we're way out and way out in the country, away from air traffic, away from you know telephone poles and 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 lines that that always cause audio problems when you're shooting on location none of that okay because they had uh, hollywood had left behind the old christie set that they used for a television series in the early 90s it was still yeah. there and it was perfect for this it was just perfect so um that's um th that's the story of how i i came to actually get get cast in in um in, in the movie and uh we had we had 15 days to shoot and uh, <laughs> which is not a lot of time no okay 15 days and 
And I think probably 15 of those days, 10 days were rain, just just lots of rain. We were working in mud six inches deep. Of course, a lot of people said, that's the witch. The witch don't want this movie made. She's going to mess with you, you know. And, and there were some crazy instances. I mean, uh, my, my script would just disappear and move to somewhere else. And I hadn't moved it. And I thought, okay, she's trying to keep me from getting to my, my script and studying. And then, and then I would wake up in the morning sometimes and have bruises on my body that I wasn't sure where it came from. But, um, you know, I never really thought much about ghosts or spirits. Um, I thought a lot about demons ever since I saw The Exorcist. In fact, I thought I was possessed for two weeks after I saw The Exorcist. I was 16 years old, you know. But, um, you know, so... Um, and and we we the thing that I really liked about and and thank you for saying what you did about this movie because we really tried to stay as true as we could to what is called the Bell Witch Bible. Now this is what I picked up in Adams later when I went up to visit. This is the authenticated history of Bell Witch uh, by M. V. Ingram. Okay, and this was this was the first uh, the first copyright first printing was eighteen ninety four. So and then it was it was revised in 61, 74 and 2000. So this is I think is probably the most accurate accounting there that there is. And that's what we tried to follow. We didn't want to sensationalize, we didn't want to hyperbolize. We just wanted to give the straight story. And and which I think, you know, uh, the Mars did a did a great job in accomplishing cuz later when I saw uh, Hollywood's version of it, I I I was like, okay, we can do that, but that's that's not the story, okay? That's not. They the embellished story. some of the wonderful. Uh, they just took way more than it actually was, and they, I guess they Hollywoodized it, if you will. Yeah, is what I like they to call did. it. As. Right, and the thing that hurt me most, and you know, if you have to edit this out, go ahead. But I mean, <laughs> they just made they made John Bell a child molester. Yes, and, yeah. and there's no, there's been no accounting of that. No one mm. has ever at the, throughout the 200 years uh, said anything about it. It uh, ruined the that. end of the movie uh, of their version. It ruined it. it, and and it almost it 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 made you think it wasn't ever a witch. Or any supernatural thing, when um, what's what's made the legend last this long is that there were so many witnesses that were hearing the same voice in the middle of town, uh, and and the voice was often coming from an animal, usually a cat, and and I mean there were so many accounts. Uh, Andrew Jackson in his journal wrote about visiting Adams. And, and I think that's why the the legend has lasted 200 years and is just as powerful today as then. Because of all the witnesses, all the friends that John Bell invited to his house, his best friend, James Johnson, mm -hmm. um, James didn't believe him. And, and, and John Bell said, no, you come, you come, bring your wife and you stay at my house. And they were, they were spooked out of their, you know, out of their pajamas. Of course you had a scene. And, uh, when you were confiding in, on the front porch with someone, just letting them know, like, there's something evil here. And you were inviting folks to to stay there, just like the accounts that John, just like we would do today. I, 
I know exactly, exactly. You don't believe me. You don't believe. So, so the the best the way to prove that is come stay in the house and see for yourself. And then, of course, like you said, um, uh, Andrew Jackson, I get General Andrew Jackson, one of John Bell's sons, uh, served under Andrew Jackson and had told him about the events in the in the house. And uh, Andrew Jackson said, well, I've, I've got to come witness this for myself to see if it's real. And even on his way there, his horse carriage broke down. The witch started speaking to him. And then after he spent the night in the house, upon his departure the next day, he told John Bell, he said, i, I got to be honest with you. He said, I'd rather fight the British Army than the Bell Witch. Okay, and that's, that's a pretty <laughs> that's heavy pretty witness strong. right there. That's pretty strong. And, and I think that's exactly why this... Um, the story is 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 true that there was supernatural phenomena going on and why it's lasted 200 years and why it still piques people's interest because of the credibility that it has with the witnesses. I agree wholeheartedly. You know? And it, it, the yeah. reason why I think the uh, the American or the Hollywoodized version of it, uh, they were going off of another book that actually was supposed to be written by the professor. Uh, 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 an actual recount of everything that happened with him and Elizabeth after the fact, and that was that was that was one of the versions. And I was like, man, that's embellished. They they really got into that. And how do you know if that's true or not? Right, right, um, right. The, you, the accounts you, from Adams, you, Tennessee, have to be right because nobody left there. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, we know that the the witch hated hated John Bell with tremendous passion in. In our story, you know, and, and going with the, the, the Bell Witch Bible, for lack of better words, um, it was over a land deal <laughs> that, that, um, that Kate Batts claimed that John Bell, who, by the way, I think he had like 300 acres of farmland, and this was an additional 60 acres that he wanted to purchase from uh, Kate Batts' husband, and she said her husband was convalescing, disabled, not in his right mind, and that John Bell took advantage of him on the land purchase. And and uh, so she even brings that up at church. That's how he became excommunicated from the church is, is because uh, um, the, 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 the church council, they, you know, they were like, okay, John, you're, you didn't do the deal right, and you cheated your husband out of, out of land, and which he verified and showed the paperwork no i didn't this is the amount we agreed on and this is what we signed on but um uh, but she hated him for that so so in this in this film um kate bats is um uh, has the power i guess to conjure up spirits and as, as you know, see in the movie where my two sons are in the cave and they find this old decayed body and it, it has a number of, of hairpins in it and um, Williams, my youngest son, he pulls the, the pens out and that releases the spirit that I think that, that that Kate Batts is in control of and conjures up this spirit can, and can use as a, as a shapeshifter uh, because, you know, the witch ultimately um, or the spirit. Uh, when I think of a witch, I think of somebody that's alive. When I think of a spirit, I think of somebody that's dead. So we got the witch and we've got the spirit, which I think she conjured up. And... Um, and and told him, play, uh, John Bell, point blank, I, I will kill you. I'm I'm going to mess with you and your family for a while, and then and then I'm going to kill you dead, uh, which he did. And and there was all these um, paranormal things going on, like the pulling of hair and tying hair to the 
the bedpost with bet with Betsy, my daughter, the pulling the sheets off, the pinching, the slapping, the the, the daughter having bruises all over her, and um, and and the rest of the John Bell family as well. And uh, so I think the haunting went on, I think like from eighteen fifteen to eighteen twenty, and then. Um, and then he was uh, he was poisoned. Now, in, in the, the way we sh- showed that is, um, uh, Kate Batts had uh, put the spirit uh, into John Bell's wife Lucy, and and Lucy, under the the guise of the spirit, uh, administered the poison to John Bell, and uh, and he passed that way. But it's really freaky because that's the first time I've ever been able to attend my own funeral because I wasn't <laughs> and, working and, the day I that I was buried. Alert too. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say what the last scene was, but it is one of my biggest fears, JD. The last, well, you like the match? That's like yeah. one of my biggest fears. Yeah. Well, I, it, I've it already was, told my it, wife, I said, I want to be cremated. I don't it, was, it, it was my two. I, I have two. I, I'm, I'm opting for cremation because after uh, climbing in that in that in that little box, and and that was I was in the honey wagon until about three o'clock that morning. Because, uh, you know, to light sets takes five or six hours. So uh, if anyone doesn't know what a honey wagon is, well, it's a trailer with little compartments that the, the actors can, can hang out in. There's a little little bathroom, toilet, you know, an air condition and all that. So I was called to the set at 3 o'clock that morning to, to crawl into the, 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 the coffin. And, um, uh, of course, one of the sides are open, of course, for the shooting purposes. But it was still I still felt the, the claustrophobia. And and uh, I thought, man, no, no, I did because I, I I've had I've had um, several movies where they wanted me to, to lie in a coffin. And it's like, no, I don't I, I can't do that. There's two things I don't do in movies. I don't pick up chickens and I don't lay in coffins. Anymore. <laughs> so, Joey and I, you know, we were in the service. We were in the Navy. So we we got to experience those coffins because on the ship, that's what you sleep in. And virtually is that that little you got a two foot in Three front bumps. of you. And that's it. And there's three yeah. bunks, and you got a little curtain you pull across, and a lot of times you hold that curtain open a little bit because you're like, I just want to make sure that I can still Let's see. Have some air. Yeah, <laughs> that's claustrophobic, man. And usually too- you're so tired. Yeah. It's like Alan and I were in the Navy from like 1990 to uh, uh, 94, 98, and uh, so it's been you know 30 years since we joined the Navy, but. Uh, Desert Storm was going on at the time. We were working 20-hour days because the war was going on. Yeah, right. And uh, you're so tired, you just jump in there. <laughs> you're not even. You're asleep right whenever you you hit it. And uh, but but I think yeah. about it today. I'm like, um, I don't realize how far down in that ship I was. If it sank or something like that, we'd never get out of it. How would you get? And you just lock it. And it's like a submarine, really. And, uh, but I'd you're be so sleeping tired, with a floating you device, you know. The claustrophobia uh, is all around you. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, let me tell I you, JD. I, on the ship I was on, I had the life preserver already picked out that if it ever was hit, the, I was going up there and hitting the button and hitting that one. That was going to be my wrath. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> very smart. Very smart. And, yeah. and and let me say, appreciate your guys' service as well. Oh, and thank you. you know, I do. A, I narrate a lot of audiobooks on uh, Navy yes. Seals, so I, I have a great appreciation and affinity for 
for you guys and, and what you do in, in Navy as well as Navy SEALs and all other branches of the service. So, but um, yeah, that's interesting, man. It's that, that claustrophobic thing. And because, you know, when you're shooting a scene like that, you're, I mean, I was probably in the, the coffin for, for two hours, you know. Oh my gosh. Uh, to get, to get everything lit right and done right, get the match to strike. Cause, you know, there's a little, little bitty, uh, strike pad that we had taped on the top of the coffin and of course it's totally dark so the problem was I, I pulled out the match and I couldn't find the strike pad so it would take like forever to strike that match in the strike pad but um, but it, it was fun it was great a great experience I'll tell you one of the funniest things that happened to me that cracked me up when when uh, Cody that that, um, that played my son Williams uh, after we were, I was excommunicated from the church and came out and we got on the horse carriage and the horses are all loaded up and I do this scene where I'm telling him, you know, son, don't pay any attention to them. It's just a, it's just a building made of brick and stone. The good Lord doesn't necessarily live there. Great well, line. These horses. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Great the line, director the allowed me to improvise that. Nice. And, and, that's, and again, it's one of the things I love so much about working with Shane is a lot of times he would say, J.D., would you mind improvising this scene? Uh, we need to stretch it out a little bit. We need to make a little more meaning out of it. He would allow me that, and, and actors love that, okay? God, that's I mean, awesome. I, I, I always love to improvise. So that, that was an improvised scene. While we were doing it, the horses became completely gaseous, okay? <laughs> I mean, man, they were blowing it out. They were blowing it out so bad. This I don't know if you ever watched Seinfeld. There's a scene yes. with Kramer and the horses, and yeah. were, you know, there was that kind of thing, and it was just so bad. It's uh. just, and you go, wait, wait, I don't know if I can do this or not because I can't breathe. And, and which worked for the scene because John Bell was already having you know his right. health problems at that point anyway, and having breathing problems. But we're gonna have to watch that scene again, Alan, with a different respect and. Everyone listening right now needs to go and watch that scene and go, "Hey, honey, you know what's going on right there? You know, you know what he's what he's smelling right now. What's coming out of he's those He's having horses? a hard time yeah. delivering, even <laughs> even just being uh, improv. He's having a hard yeah. time doing that right now. <laughs> yeah. So it took me a while to find the movie because I ended up having to go to Vimo to, in order to get it downloaded because the last time was several years back on Netflix. I mean, it's been years ago so it's kind of like i had to download the movie again and watch it just just so that way i could get back in my mind what what actually happened in that but uh yeah so i i watched it last night again for the second time in two days uh okay okay so you saw it on on vimeo right? yes sir uh, okay because um yeah I, I and i meant to call shane and ask him because i went to the website you, you normally you could purchase the movie on the the dvd on the website www.bellwitchthemovie.com and then as you say it was on netflix i know i saw it on prime it was on amazon prime for a long time and then i started looking it up last night too to say where where is the movie at now and and i went to the website and it said go to vimeo and and subscribe for rent or or to own um uh, i spent the 999 and I, well I, worth it yeah 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 <laughs> oh thank you thank you i got it whenever <laughs> you guys came out with it because uh uh i had heard that you had the like the red carpet um, premiere of it at the Ryman. And that's how yeah. I first heard of it is that 
They're yeah. doing this premiere, movie premiere at the Ryman Auditorium about the Bell Witch. So I was like, what a cool place to do that. What was that like? Joy, that was so exciting for me because, um, uh, well, I've been a fan of, of, of the Opry, particularly the Ryman, for, for years and years and years. And as, as an artist, I always wanted to perform at the Ryman. We never got the opportunity, but here we're doing the premiere at the Ryman. And uh, it was sold out. It was very, very exciting. Um, um, a lot of the uh, Bell family came, uh, the descendants uh, from, from all over the country. They were there. And I got to speak with them after the premiere. We were, Shane was, was going to do something very creative and original. It was meant to be satellite uplinked to, I think, 13 theaters, uh, digital theaters around the country. But there, there was some technical problems, and it didn't quite happen that way. And, and, um, uh, but it was a very, very exciting event. Uh, that's where I met Betsy Palmer for the first time. Obviously, her being the voiceover, you know, and not having any scenes with her, I didn't get to meet her until the premiere. And it was such a delight to meet such a, a great actress. I mean, from just years and years, a great body of work. Uh, from her and she was just as, as sweet and and down to earth as she could possibly be and uh, and that was a, a brilliant choice on the mars part to hire her you know and um uh for the for the voiceover and then i got to hear the the great story about how she came to do friday the 13th you know it was they offered her ten thousand dollars which was not a lot of money for betsy palmer but she hadn't worked in a long time and She's like, ah, she read the script and she said, this looks horrible, you know, but I, I need the 10 grand. So, yes. so here she goes, you know, and, and does the movie and it becomes a huge success. And, and she says, the thing I hate most about my career is that's what I'm mostly remembered for. Well, <laughs> she's know? now in there Friday with Jamie the Lee Curtis as one of the scream queens. So awesome. Yes. I mean, blow yes, out. That's right. Yeah, that's that's right. No, so, she was very, very thankful that she had the opportunity to do that. Well, know, we did find the making of the Bell it. movie, and that was awesome because it actually showed she Betsy told her story about how she actually become to do a voiceover. She's like, what's a voiceover? <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a shock for an actress that's been around that length of time. I know. But, but I remember saying the same thing when I, I uh, back in the 90s, when... Um, I auditioned for uh, Chevrolet. Asked me to audition to be their national spokesperson on television, and and uh, yeah, and I was in the music business at the time, and and it was a casting director that called me and said they're looking for a guy like you that does country music, and would you audition? I said, okay, and uh, and it ended up getting a five-year contract with uh, with Chevrolet to be their on-camera spokesperson. Uh, and I had I had even sang I'd sang the uh, uh, the the, uh, the national theme song for Chevrolet back in the '80s called "The Heartbeat of America." Yes, sir. I don't know if you guys remember that. Oh, That's yes, before sir. Before "Like a Rock" came along. Uh huh. The heartbeat of America. <laughs> you know, the only difference is I got paid scale, and uh, uh, the, the, the "Like a Rock" guy he got seven million. And well, he yeah. didn't even want to do. He didn't even want to do the deal. They came to him and said, "We'll give you seven million. You, you know, you don't have to go in the studio. We'll just oh, cut God. tracks from the, the song." And he said, "No, that'd be a sellout." But his manager changed his mind. He said, "No, you need to do this because this will this will bring you back and uh, and help your touring business again." So, but um, anyway, I guess the the point 
and that was that uh, in doing those commercials, they asked me, they said, okay, we're going to need some voiceovers from you. Well, I, I was, I'm like Betsy Palmer at that point. Okay, well, I'm not sure what a, what a voiceover is. Um, and I started in radio, but we just we called it dubbing. Yeah. Um, du- dubbing and looping, and, and uh, so I wasn't familiar with that term. And that was back in the day before digital. I would actually record the voiceover on a little two-track Tascam recorder, <laughs> you know, and then splice it and then put it into FedEx and send it overnight. Man, that's like Stone Ages now <laughs> because so. everything's it's everything's like real, MP3. Real. You just yeah, yeah. That was that was real, real quarter-inch tape, and um, uh, and that's you know when, it, when I, I was in the music business, it was right on the verge of going from analog to digital. And I couldn't believe it when they told me at MCA Records, they said, does your record that we just released is the last vinyl record that will ever be released. From Whoa. now on, it will be, it will be um, uh, 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 CDs or, or DATs or eventually streaming music. Yeah. And I said, like, what are you talking about? Streaming music? <laughs> MP3s? What is that? <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it's, it's, of course, it's all anybody uses now. But I just couldn't imagine music uh, becoming ether, you know, and not vinyl. Or, JD, when I first heard tape. about streaming electronic music and and particles above my head, I was picturing Willy Wonka whenever they were ta- <laughs> uh, took the Mike TV guy and the little kid and and digitized him, and his particles were going above the head, and it shrunk him on the TV. I was yes. picturing like, yes, what's going on exactly. here? Exactly, but. Uh, you know, you know something I wanted to ask you all this time uh, in radio and uh, doing commercials, doing movies, TV shows. You've worked with a lot of great folks and a lot of, uh, and that's that's one thing our podcast is about is the the positive stories out there and wanting to share uh, that positivity. What was one of the best forms of advice that another actor a director just it, it was like a gift yeah. to you that that um you just felt like a better person after that and you were able to use that that advice the rest of your life that's a that's a great question and i, I have i have many actors that that um that I have tremendous respect for uh, Daniel Day Lewis, Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, um, Mel Gibson. There's so many great actors that that I that I I watch and and learn from. But uh, but th- I'll tell you this simple simple true story. Um, I was I was married um, uh, to um, Gigi Garner, um, and that's James Garner's daughter, the actor James Garner, Rockford mm-hmm. Miles. Yeah. Um, um, uh, I think you guys. I'm so glad you're old enough to know <laughs> yeah. that name because most kids these days like 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 who is that? Okay, yeah. He started he started with Maverick. You know, they, he was a studio contract player. They were paying him 200 bucks a week while yes. he had the biggest hit show on television. Okay, because <laughs> Jim told me all these stories and it was wonderful because he he went uh, uh, from uh, he grew up in uh, Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma. And moved to California uh, to find his father. His father had ran off to California, and he was just trying to find his father, and 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 never did. He became a carpet layer, and uh, he was laying carpet in in a guy's house one time. And there happened to be an agent. An agent said, "Hey, you're, you're a pretty good looking guy." He said, "I think I could get you some work if you want to do some acting or some modeling." He gave him his card. 
Well, Jim continued to lay carpet for a year, and his back started hurting. He said, wait a minute. I, there's got to be something better than this. Where's that Where's that business card at? I'm going to call that guy. you know." And then he got some commercials, modeling some underwear, and led to being a contract player for for the, the, the studios, and then uh, then picked up Maverick. And again, they just played paid contract players 200 bucks a week, no matter no matter what you did um but um so so the advice from jim and you know there's different kind of actors there's actors like like james garner who really only has to be james garner and and, and you love him just for that then there's actors like um you know daniel day lewis who can just transform like a chameleon into anything okay and i have great respect for both of those kind of actors but you know i i would go to the set with jim and uh, I, I watched him film Barbarians at the Gate and um, uh, Fire in the Sky and um, uh, s- several other things. He even allowed me to write the theme song for his last television series, which was called um, Man of the People. And and I thought, man, I really hit the jackpot because Rockford Files, the theme song was the number one on oh, the yeah. charts and it ran forever in, in like 150 countries. And I thought, man, I've hit the jackpot because he was so nice to go to battle for me because I was up against uh, uh, David Post and or, uh, Mike Post and David right. Foster. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he really went to battle for me to, to, to win the right to, to write the theme song. But they they shut it down after, I think, eight episodes. And and this is the way Hollywood does people. Uh, they didn't even call Jim to let him know the show had been canceled. He just he just showed up one day and they were tearing down the sets. Now, isn't it amazing that a studio would treat an actor like that? But to your point, and I'm sorry, no, I, I ramble so much. I, I, Jim, I've always loved and admired as an actor, and I ask him, Jim, what what is your... I mean, I'm in the music business right now and don't really care about acting, which... Um, that changed very quickly, but I said, what, what's your best advice? What, you know, what do you do? What is your magic trick? And it was very simple. He said, JD, hit your mark and tell the truth. That was it. Hit your mark and tell the truth. Now that's a simple line, but there's so much in that. Okay. Because in order to tell the truth as an actor, you 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 really have to know the truth of that character that that you're portraying and and i consider myself a method actor and i like to you know um i like different looks and and different personalities and 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 to really that's what's fun for me is to get into the skin of somebody else and their mindset right. but that but, but that was the the best i think the best advice and, and of course, you know, I, I've been to a lot of acting schools and had different teachers. And of course, always um, uh, what you're what you're aiming for is total believability. Uh, that's that's the most important thing. Yeah. Now, if you can be believable and make it interesting, like the Daniel Day Lewis's and and the, and the Anthony Hopkins, uh, I, I mean, Anthony Anthony Hopkins can just stare at someone, yes. and 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 you're just like. Wow, you're just hooked on on you know he's, he can be so intense and uh, um, uh, but the short answer to your question, I think that really did it for me. Hit yeah. your mark because focus is so important, guys. Because if you don't get the shot in focus, and I, I had the opportunity to play golf with Clint Eastwood, and he was telling because I'd go to the Bel Air Country Club with Garner and get to meet all these fabulous people and play golf with Clint Eastwood and and um, Don Johnson and. Uh, Ringo Starr and a bunch of people, but uh, but Clint 
uh, Clint, he always told me, he said, I, I, I like to get it in one take. Yes. He said, if it's there, if it's there, he said, all I do is, is look at the DP and say, are we in focus? And if the DP says yes, I say, move on. No need in doing this, you know, Stanley Kubrick thing, doing a scene 147 times, wearing out your actor or actress like he did Shelley yeah. Duvall in The Shining. Uh, he almost <laughs> killed that poor girl. 147 scenes of going up those stairs, you know, with Jack Nicholson coming after her with with an axe. I mean, she was pulling her hair out, literally. And, uh, and I think she went sort of middle, mentally ill after that movie. Now, that's what I call abuse. Yeah. Clint's like, is it in focus? Move on. We got it. But, you know, um, um, that that mark is um, um, there is a taped mark and it's important because if you don't hit that, you're, you're not going to be in focus. And, right. And uh, I think Charles Boyer was a great actor. I loved him. But you could always see him looking down every, every time he moves. He's like looking for his mark and then his eyes go back. <laughs> Never quite got, got I might that have to go down. back and watch watching, some of his movies yeah, now. Because you ever watch a Charles Boyer movie, you'll you'll see that he's looking down as he's walking. We know you're looking for your mark. One other and one other word of advice that I got from um, um, uh, I studied with Talia Shire, who played um, uh, Rocky or Sylvester Stallone's wife in Rocky. I took some good intense classes with her, and and. Um, um, Basically, her two words were never act, be. be, yeah, because if you're acting, they will see you, and and you can see that in in a lot of movies, especially B movies, um, where actors, you tend to think, are they posing more for the camera? You know, are they more worried about is my angle right? You know, than they are really the character. But I thought. Uh, that was uh, very wise. Uh, don't act. Ne never act. Well, watching the Bell Witch movie again uh, last night, I kind of did see that, you know, some of your uh, other co-stars there, they, they kind of had that focus, but you were more re relaxed with it. It was kind of like y'all, you and your wife it, were, were more in the scene and they were kind of wanting to act the scene. Right. Right. Is exactly is what, what we're going for, what we're trying to do. And uh, uh, Donna was wonderful to work with my wife. And she was very, you know, conversational and um, could be in the moment. And, and that's that's where you have to be. I, I, I work very hard to, to memorize, you know, all the lines in advance and then just forget about that. OK, I know the lines. They're in my head. Don't think about that again. Now it's all about the putting the right emotion to it and being present in that moment of what's happening. And and I, I wanted to show a lot of fear in John Bell. I didn't want him to be some kind of, uh, you know, manly man to the point where he's like, well, it's not that bad, you know, because I, I think uh, I think, uh, well, I know if I experienced what he experienced, I I would I would be very fearful. The things that you can't explain, you know, that 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 are happening. Um, God, I, I was shooting up in a cornfield in Kentucky about six months ago, and uh, and it was a horror short film. And um, um, uh, the, the is it um, Spirits um, Revenge? The the, the, the um, oh, that's the next one. That's <laughs> that's that's the next. Well, we, we we start that this month. Okay. Uh, this was a a short film called uh, uh, Harvest. Um, um, 
the golden harvest or something like that. But this this red blood moon started coming up over the cornfield, you know. Oh, nice. And then and then, we, then we started spotting some UFOs up there that couldn't be explained the, the the way they were navigating. It's like nothing we had ever seen before, and and uh, it just kind of gave put the hair up on the back of my neck and. Uh, you know, and we were ha- spending a lot of time in the cornfield that night, and the <laughs> corn was damp and itchy, and I'm scratching and itching, and there's a blood red moon and UFOs, and it's like, wow, man. Okay. See, Joey and I used to do real. that all the time in the cornfields up in Kentucky, because when we were growing up up there, that was how we had fun. We would run through them at night doing snipe hunts, or at least we were trying <laughs> to get people right. to think they were doing snipe hunts, so... <laughs> Right. I know about that. I, I went on some of those snipe hunts before before I realized uh, what was going on, you know, back when I was camping out and in the, uh, you know, the Boy Scouts and whatnot. Yeah, we're going we're going snipe hunt. We did where I came from. We did snake hunting. Oh, uh, my dad had this thing where after uh, uh, after a, a, a rain, a rainstorm, the snakes would come out on the old country roads and, and uh, to dry out. Yeah, and uh, we'd go, we'd go snake hunting, and he would have a hook, and he would hook it up and put it into a box, and just you know, he would sell it or keep it or do something with it. But and I never killed him. But I mean, that's just uh, that was just something fun we did in the yeah. country because we really didn't have that many things to do growing up. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> we know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I miss that life. I really do, and I, I love my hometown. Wonderful people. I had a great experience growing up there, but it's like, uh, how am I going to, uh, you know, build a music career or an acting career in a, in a small town between a, a, yeah. a chicken farm? You've got to go farm, to so. the the place that yeah. that Nashville is the machine that does that. Yes, sir. If you want it, if you want to make country music, you better go to Nashville. Yeah. If you want to do theater, uh, Broadway, you have to go to New York City. Um, if you want to make, um, Hollywood movies, you have to live out there and and I I could never, I could never do that. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm so glad that you guys thought enough of, um, you know, of our version of Bell Witch. Cause like you said, there've been so many of them done. And, um, and, and I really believe that, um, um, you know, for, for a low budget film, the shot in 15 days that, that we gave a, a good accounting of ourselves for, for telling the straight story of the bell, Witch, the, 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 the truest story that we know. Um, and we didn't, we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't move away from that. Uh, so, well, I know we've taken gl- up a full hour of your time, JD, and I, it's I, been a I, pleasure, man. I want to thank you for getting in here. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I greatly appreciate it. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. I'm a fan. Uh, Thanks, JD. Well, that was our conversation with JD Hart. Joy and I kind of uh, went to Adams. Hope you enjoyed that trip. The story we told has been out of the authenticated history of uh, the famous Bell Witch. Uh, you can go watch many historians that talk about this at YouTube. Uh, we tried to be as accurate as they are. There are skeptics out there. Those will also be on YouTube. And they tell stories of, uh, of the uh, Bell Witch. And they also tell stories of the cover-up for murder. Alan, uh, I think there's some uh, gifts that we want to give our subscribers uh, if they subscribe before in, in the month of October. 
by October or Halloween night, if you have subscribed to us on the website, nonsensicaltalk.com, one of these could be coming to your house as a Christmas present from us here at Nonsensical Talk. I absolutely love the fact that there's people that subscribe. I love that people enjoy what we do. And I just want everybody to know that we do it because we enjoy to do it. Uh, Joey, we came, we saw, we didn't get to get on the Bell Witch property, but if you watched the first little bit of this or you saw the teaser, you can see that that we may have been on the property or we may not have been on the property. We were in the, we were in the altitude of it. And, uh, uh, but, but I will say we've got a lot of more stories that we're going to be covering. Uh, Edgar casing, uh, the sleeping prophet born in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Uh, uh, that's something that we want to cover. We want to cover the night riders, uh, the tobacco farmers that rebelled against big tobacco and, and so there's a lot more stories that we're going to be telling. And that's uh, all within our little area. That's all it's within our little area. Absolutely. Yes. It's nonsensical. It just, uh, uh, there's no rhyme or reason why we're doing certain things, but we wanted to bring you the Bell Witch in October. We had to. And we've accomplished that goal. There's still time for us to get to the spook house. But <laughs> time is running out. <laughs> I'm sorry we didn't get it for the show. I'm sorry, but when you say spook house, it just makes me laugh. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm not fearful at all. Whenever... <laughs> hey, that's okay. I know, I know we, it's, we're going to the spook house. And even if... It's like you look at someone, <laughs> we're at the spook house. <laughs> hey, so here's the deal. If the 13th floor does not respond back to me, we're still going because you can record outside of it as well. So we'll go outside of it and record. We'll go through it, and then we'll come out and tell you our experiences, and that'll be a little bit that we'll put on during the month of October. Uh, so look for that coming up. Joey? Folks, what, what you want you to do is follow us on Facebook, uh, subscribe on YouTube, and be kind to one another.